What's happening, far, far away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing today? I hope all is well on your side of the galaxy. Okay, before we get too far into this episode, I gotta let y'all know that this is a very short chapter. I mean, like five minutes long. So I will not do a mid-chapter recap part. I'm just gonna let it play all the way through and then we'll talk about it at the end. So what do we have for news and rumors today? You know, there really wasn't that much news to talk about this week. Well, I guess there's a few things, but this is gonna just be a short episode altogether. So one of the things that caught our attention was, and I think that we brought this up a couple weeks ago, but Rogue One was re-released on IMAX on the 26th. So they did a special IMAX release of the movie in honor of the up and coming premiere of Andor. But not only did the movie return to IMAX this week, turns out the love for Rogue One is still incredibly strong because it has officially become one of the highest grossing IMAX releases ever. According to Collider, it hit 250 domestic IMAX theaters this weekend and grossed $1 million in ticket sales, which pushed its overall IMAX earnings to $105 million. This now makes Rogue One one of the 10th highest grossing movies to be released in IMAX. Plus, we got an exclusive look at the Andor series. And if you've never seen Rogue One in an IMAX theater before, you don't know what you're missing. It is one of the best experiences ever. Shoot, to see any of the Star Wars films in IMAX is a great experience, but something about Rogue One that just makes it better. I don't know what it is, but dang, it's good. Okay, what else do we got? Now, this was a topic that I was wondering about myself. What happened to Darth Maul's live-action return? While Darth Maul offers some of the best fights ever, it was his return in the Clone Wars that sealed him as a great character. All throughout Maul's appearance, time and time again, he steals the show and makes him one of the best villains to date. Then with his live-action appearance in Solo, it seemed that they had big plans for the character. Yet it has been years since the release of Solo. What happened to his return? Despite Maul appearing in both the Clone Wars and Rebels, and a surprise scene at the end of Solo that marked 19 years since his last live-action portrayal, Stuntman Ray Park even returned to don the makeup, merged with the cartoon voice of Sam Witwer to offer the best of both worlds. Fans of the show were hyped for more Maul content. The fans were both shocked and excited about his return. But despite all that, there are no mentions of Ray Park coming back for any up-and-coming project. Solo was good as a standalone movie, but it was clear that Lucasfilms was bringing him all back for other films. Maul's appearance is more than a quick cameo, as he is revealed to be the leader of Crimson Dawn and summoned Kira to his home planet of Dathomir. The moment lingered enough to suggest that he will be seen in other projects, especially considered the air has a lot of portions of missing content in Maul's timeline. When Maul wrapped up with the seven seasons of The Clone War by escaping the carnage of Order 66 and the other occasional appearances in the comics, his next reveal is on the planet Malachor in Rebels. Not only is this several years later, Maul's also alone and trapped on the planet, with no mention of Crimson Dawn. So with this huge missing gap of time, Maul could easily return for more tales during the Solo era, and it is likely that Luke is fully intended to return Maul. But after Solo's release, much of their plans changed for the Star Wars films. The movie didn't perform very well at the box office, caused by a mix of average viewers, fatigue after The Last Jedi release, and the fact that people were skeptical about another actor playing Han Solo. This caused focus to change from Star Wars movie structure to focus on separate live-action shows. This idea is further backed up by Lucasfilm's boss Kathleen Kennedy in her recent comments to Vanity Fair, insisting that Star Wars moving forward would be focused on new actors, new characters, and a new era. And so while Maul has more story to tell, it wouldn't be a big surprise if he never makes a return. He has completed his character arc, and more stories with him aren't necessarily needed. But still, it feels like a waste to never bring Maul back, as he has become one of Star Wars' most compelling villains and could offer more amazing lightsaber duels. 
We all thought that they would bring him back in Kenobi because he would have been a great villain for that series. But Lucasfilm scrapped that idea and brought Vader and the Inquisitors. Which wasn't a bad idea since there are more than one source stating that Reva is set for her own spin-off series. But I think most Star Wars fans would love to see Maul back. Well, I would love to see Maul again, especially if we got his and Obi-Wan's final duel in live action. But we will just have to wait and see what Disney decides to do. Okay, the last piece of news I got is about The Mandalorian, because it's finally returning for its third season at the beginning of next year. And this December will mark two years since the second season came to an end. While we did get to see Din and Grogu in the book of Boba Fett, I know that us fans are eager to see the dynamic duo back. In a recent interview with Entertainment Weekly on the Dagobah Dispatch podcast, the executive producers John Favreau and Dave Filoni teased Mando's future and his shot for redemption. They said we established that in the book of Boba Fett. There was an opportunity for the Mandalorian to be redeemed. He had transgressed against the Creed by removing his helmet. And we know among his group of Mandalorians, this is something that is not permitted. Now we know that there's another group of Mandalorians and they have a different set of rules. In the Clone Wars, we saw that Mandalorians are very different. And these different groups are coming together, the nexus points of all those communities. Of course, this is the home world they were all exiled from, which is Mandalore. Star Wars Celebration took place back in May and included a panel dedicated to the Mandalorian. The event featured a surprise appearance from Pascal, who teased what is to come in the upcoming third season. And he said the hardest part is all of the creative ways journalists find to trick you, but I've gotten really good at it. The easiest part of it is that I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. I really, really don't. I'm a big mouth and I don't really want to keep any secrets, but I want everybody to be surprised. And there are surprises coming in season three. It has been a dream come true, Favreau added. I wanted to really pare it down to a few characters and a personal story set in that world, and also an opportunity to bring new people in to the franchise that might not know the lore of the Mandalorians. This became the entry ramp, as we have introduced characters that have existed before, thanks to Disney Plus streaming services. Now they can go and watch everything Star Wars. And thank you to Dave and John. We have more Star Wars than ever before. And I have to say as a fan, even though I don't like everything that Disney has done, I do appreciate everything that they're doing. It's great. I love having this much Star Wars. Okay, now let's get to the fun fact of the week. And this one is quite disturbing. During the shooting of The Force Awakens, Harrison Ford famously broke his ankle on the set after one of the Falcon's hydraulic doors slammed down on his leg. But what you probably didn't know is that J.J. Abrams broke his back while trying to rescue Ford. According to Vanity Fair, J.J. attempted to lift the door off of Ford's ankle. This is when he heard a popping sound. A few days later, Abrams visited the doctor and was told he had actually broken his back. Despite this, Abrams never told the cast and returned to work wearing a back brace. JJ is a gangster. Not only did he try to save Harrison, he went back to work with a broken back. If I broke my back, I'm not doing anything. No, I'm lying. When you gotta get stuff done, you just gotta push through the pain and get all the work done. But I bet he was in a lot of pain. Okay, now let's get back to Brotherhood because when we left off last week, we found out that Obi-Wan didn't always follow the rules, and this made him a little bit more relatable. We also found out that Anakin might not be as ready to leave his master as we initially thought. So let's find out what's gonna happen next. But first, we gotta drop the intro. We would be honored if you would join us. Anakin Skywalker. Anakin waved at his former master, but Obi-Wan appeared to be too focused to see it. 
The shuttle hummed as its systems came to life. Then the docking bay rumbled with the groan and churn of engines activating, all louder and lower than the Republic's battle-ready craft. The shuttle was older. Its liftoff process nothing like the smooth jump-in and go of the latest Jedi starfighters. Instead, this shuttle, a transport probably built to hold five people and some supplies, tops, growled on the same level as larger troop transports. In the small cockpit window, Obi-Wan sat, his posture straight and both hands on the yoke. The ship hovered, lifting a good 30 meters off the landing pad before rotating and zooming into the sky. Its distinctive chug-chug-chug sound gradually disappearing and blending into the never-ending din of Coruscant. Anakin held up his comm link and considered pressing the top button to open the channel, a way to both needle Obi-Wan and verify that it worked. But he put it away, having tested it last night with Padme in the security of her apartment. In fact, last night was all about the mission. It wasn't supposed to be. They planned on a quiet night in, simply enjoying the fact that they were in the same place at the same time for another night. But Padme had been in full senatorial mode, and despite Anakin's best attempts to distract her with physical temptations, the bulk of the evening involved understanding the nuances with Neimoidians. As a culture, with the local Cato Neimoidian government, and with the Trade Federation as a larger entity. Padme's inability to turn it off was something that had already made their early marriage rocky at times. The process of integrating two wholly separate lives and personalities turning out to be a little more surprising than he'd expected, even when they'd isolated themselves on Naboo following the wedding. But he'd complied with her research requests loading up various articles and texts while she made notes, making him commit key points to memory to pass on to Obi-Wan this morning. Then they indulged themselves. Anakin picked joyriding through Coruscant's lower levels. Padme picked saving the galaxy through diplomacy. It seemed fitting, though perhaps tonight they might hit a happy medium. Across the way, Anakin saw a pile of junked gunship engine pieces, a stack of them waiting as spare parts or perhaps for scrapping. Maybe a clone technician just forgot them. But he reached out, his mechanical arm up, fingers lightly spread. The very top piston trembled before lifting straight up, and Anakin swept his arm left, then right, then up again before settling it down. And while the object obeyed his command, it still lagged in both response and precision. Like a starfighter's controls with slightly loose wiring, the force flowed through his body. And this arm was part of his body, synthetic or not, but it still didn't feel quite right. Can I help you with something, General? A clone asked. General? That still didn't make sense to him, given the separation between Jedi and the Grand Army of the Republic. He passed trials to become a Jedi Knight, not a military leader. But he figured this was a clone commander. An individual, but still working within the parameters built into his body and mind. Whether they had the ability to move beyond that, 
Time would tell. But for now, he found them remarkably human. In a good way. No, Anakin said. Just here to wish a friend well on his mission. Understood. McClone turned around and joined the group lining up at a far transport. All of them identical in their size, voice, and armor, except for distinguishing color trim. Anakin looked back up to the sky that enveloped Obi-Wan. Other shuttles and ships coming and going, while a few light cruisers hovered low enough to be seen. Then he turned around and headed for the exit. He had younglings to deal with and wisdom to pass on, whatever that meant. And then one final night with Padme. Hopefully without politics or war. Just husband and wife. Like I said earlier, this part wasn't very long, and it really didn't cover that much. Mostly about Anakin and Padme leading double lives, and Anakin having an inorganic body part. This is his robotic hand. It also told of Padme being able to switch back into a politician mode. Something that Anakin still wasn't quite used to. It was a life that they chose to live. But that's all this part really was. No action whatsoever. That's how these last couple of chapters have been. I hope it changes soon. I really need some action. But let's get to the quote of the week, and it comes to us from Jim Lavelle. He said, There are people who make things happen. There are people who watch things happen. And there are people who wonder what has happened. To be successful, you need to be the person that makes things happen. So many times I have seen this actual quote come to pass. You have someone that is just there. They never really participate with what is going on. Then you have that one person that acts like they are doing something, but they are not really doing anything. Well, doing as as least as possible without looking like they are doing it. And then you have those individuals that are constantly pushing for better. There's always work to be done. The harder you work, the better off you will be. And I'm not just talking about physical labor. I am also talking about learning something that will help you gain success. If you need to learn some business skills, learn it. Learn whatever it is that will help you gain success. Say you want to open a bakery. You might want to learn how to bake if you want to be successful. Don't just sit back and watch others follow their dreams because you will find yourself working for them in the future. Strive to follow your own dreams and definitely don't be one of those naysayers. They're not never going to bake it. Their business is going to fail. They look dumbfounded when they are on top looking down on you. Spend your time being the go-getter that you are. If you are pushing to achieve your goals, you won't have time to worry about anyone else. You will be too busy. Okay, that's all I have for today. Join us next week for part 13 of this amazing story. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Swaycast Networks. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>